0: Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. My name is Jake Schwanitz. I am your host. And today on the show, we are going to get into our Monday takeaways from last week's game. We're going to recap the weekend in Pac-12 football. It was quite an entertaining weekend, actually. Uh, So a lot of teams proving me wrong and showing me some things that I really wanted to see from them. And then at the end, we are going to recap Carl Durrell's Monday presser today. Uh, We got some good information on quite a lot of things. We'll get into it in just a bit. Before we get into the show, I want to shout out the American Raptors. If you haven't heard of the American Raptors, they are Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team and have athletes that have competed at the highest levels of their respective sports in football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer. Uh, They have Tanella Tupo from the University of Washington. He played for the Seahawks, Falcons, and Cardinals. Best thing about the American Raptors is that their games are free. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your free ticket for this upcoming season. If you can't make it out to a game, AmericanRaptors.com will be streaming all of their games from their website. Uh, If you are interested in that, be sure to check out our DMVR Rugby podcast. It is updated weekly and make sure to subscribe while you're there. All right, let's get into the show. So, Some takeaways from the game uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, There's three of them, two kind of playing into each other. First one is defense is really good. Uh, You can bring up the fact that this defense had 400 yards rushing, but it's the triple option. We got into it a lot last week. It's just inevitable, honestly, when you go against it, that they're going to rack up rushing yards. And I think this defense actually did good to bottle up this rushing attack for the most part. It's just that when runs did get past the second level, a lot of them happened to be big runs because tackling was just not as good in the secondary, which allowed Brad Roberts to really break out and have a nice game for the Falcons. Regardless of that fact, um, I think this defense really showed something. Quinn Perry showed something. The defensive line showed something. Naeem Rodman, uh, Jalen Sammy, uh, Chandler Semedo was out there making plays too. All that to say for our second point, this is kind of an obvious one, but the offense needs to find consistency and players have to step up in terms of performance before we start to see this defense defense really start to bring home dividends, meaning, I mean, it's just complimentary football, guys. We've seen complete offensive ineptitude. I don't have to tell you the first two games, but in order for the defense to really show how good they are, they need the offense to help pull them along. We'll see if we get that this week. But to that, on the third point, I think the offense needs to get Deion Smith more involved. Uh, Fontenot played a nice game. Of course, he had the fumble on the goal line, but you could obviously argue it was targeting. I mean, got hit helmet to helmet and kind of dropped the ball. Uh, Hope Alex is okay after that. Coach did not have any updates on his health, so assuming we're all good there. Uh, Back to Deion Smith, though. I think you need to get him involved, kind of set him up for some carries throughout the opening moments of the game. Maybe get him involved more in the passing game, too. I think he's someone that offers a lot of juice and explosion to this offense. And it's an offense that obviously needs just that. Now, before we get into the Pac-12 recap, I want to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL's opening weekend was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Uh, I meant to leave it the show with that, actually. I hope you guys enjoyed this Sunday's uh, football. It was great to have the NFL back. I had a lot of fun watching games, won some bets, lost some bets, but overall came out positive. And of course, we have the Broncos tonight. I am a Extremely excited for that! Uh, get ready for Week Two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, this week, new customers can bet just five dollars on any football game and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. If you want more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings Early Win Promotion. It's simple: this Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by ten at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team. Loses. We did see some teams go up by 10 and have some tremendous comebacks. Uh, the Lions included. The Giants included. Uh, Raiders. I think were down by double digit points at one point. But anyways, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code dnvr to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, want to give a quick shout out to Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports concerts and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50 yard line courtside behind home plate. Uh, It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you never could buy. Great for deals on Buffs games this season, especially if you plan on traveling to Minnesota. Probably going to be an extremely packed house there. If you want to get a ticket on the road or you happen to live in Minnesota, shout out Minnesota listeners. Game time is the way to do it. If you love DMVR, then you'll love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, into Pac-12 action for the weekend. We'll start with the headliner. That is USC versus Stanford. USC, the number 10 football team in the country, rolls into Stanford Stadium. Um, and they played pretty well. I think this team is definitely in the conversation for the best team in the Pac-12. Sorry, Utah, but I think USC really has shown me a lot more to this point. Caleb Williams played extremely well. 2027, 20, 341 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. This USC receiving core led by Jordan Addison and Mario Williams again. Jordan Addison, an absolute stud. He had a couple deep touchdowns. He had a touchdown on a screen. This guy is definitely in the conversation for the Boletnikov again this year. Could be a back-to-back winner of that award. Mario Williams looked great at all areas of the field. Also, we saw a big catch from Brendan Rice. uh, Rushing the ball, Travis Dye looked really good. 14 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Austin Jones, the former Stanford running back, showed well in the run game and in the pass game, especially being split out wide. He's going to be someone to watch. More importantly, I think, with this USC team is their ability to create turnovers, um, we saw Mackay Black Blackman come up with an interception, and we saw another interception from Max Williams. Max Williams also had a forced fumble. He played a great game, the safety. He's going to be someone to watch out for. It was, I don't want to say it was a close game. I think the score actually shows it being closer than what it actually was. Uh, I believe it was 41-14 to 14 at one point. Stanford had a couple touchdowns late in the fourth quarter to bring it back. They couldn't cover the nine-point spread, um, but Stanford ta- quarterback Tanner McKee did play pretty well. He did have two interceptions, though, as I mentioned. Uh, but I think both of them were tipped. Makai Blackman just made a great play in the end zone on his. Uh, but the second one was definitely tipped that Max Williams intercepted. E.J. Smith, Emmett Smith's son, played pretty well. He had a couple fumbles, though. Both were lost. That is something to look out for moving forward in his game. But running the ball, he looked pretty good. and He also caught a touchdown as a receiver. So USC looking very strong, and I think this is, well, there was a Pac-12 matchup last week, if I remember correctly, but this is one of the earlier Pac-12 matchups of the season, and USC making a statement there. Uh, going to the rankings, you see USC move up to number seven in the country now as the highest rated Pac-12 team. We also had an upset uh, Wisconsin and Washington State. Washington State goes into Wisconsin and beats the Badgers 17 to 14. The line was Wisconsin favored by 17 and a half. Nowhere even close to that. Uh, it was an interesting game to say the least. Turnovers and sloppy play on both sides of the ball. It was really weird, actually. There were two interceptions that happened in this game, both by Washington State and Wisconsin, I believe. And eventually, the team that was on offense that threw the interception knocked out the ball of the interceptor and were able to recover it. Washington State did it, and Wisconsin had a— it was a—Graham Mertz being Graham Mertz. Um, I mean, I talked about Bo Nix last week and how his style of play really gets on my nerves, and it's just something—if I was a defensive coordinator, that's the type of quarterback you want to go up against, just kind of off the reins and just does whatever comes to his mind in the split second he has to make a decision— Graham Mertz just kind of throws the ball up as he's getting hit. It's intercepted by a defensive lineman. And the first contact this defensive lineman faces, the ball is popped out right back into the hands of Graham Mertz, actually, who's lying on the ground. Um, it was a decent performance by Cameron Ward, the quarterback for Washington State. He threw two interceptions. Um, Washington State, not really much on the ground. I think it was just taking advantage of opportunities and these turnovers that Wisconsin was granting them. Braylon Allen for Wisconsin... The talented running back who has NFL uh, draft Knicks, not salivating, but he's definitely on a lot of watch lists. He played well. Just an overall sloppy game, though, that I think Washington State, depending on what side you're on, this is a gritty, uh, advantageous win by the Cougars, or it's a horrible home loss, which it more likely is for the Badgers. Uh, Just sloppy play and inability to keep consistent offense rolling. Defense wasn't the greatest also. So Washington State's going to see a bump up in the power rankings on both sides of the ball this week. That was an impressive win for them. They moved to 2-0 on the season now. Um, And this is something we're going to... Washington State's not on the schedule, but we'll get into these October teams. Uh, Washington State could have been a team if they were on Colorado's schedule. That was in play for a win, but now a big showing this week. So Colorado... The, the competition's ramping up in the Pac-12, man, uh, and one of those teams that they're going to play in October is the Arizona State Sun Devils. They travel to Stillwater to play the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the number 11th-ranked team in the country. Uh, Emory Jones, the quarterback there, he, of course, Dan Mullen's guy, nominated to replace Kyle Trask. He played in that bowl game in the 2020 season. It was a 2021 bowl game, I believe, then. And he did not come in and play very impressively in relief of Kyle Trask, who got hurt. He is now at Arizona State. He's he's got I mean, he's a dual threat guy. If you watched him at Florida, you obviously know that. But he hasn't really shown it to this point so far. They played an FCS team last week. I'm not going to that doesn't mean too much to me, but not much rushing the ball. He was sacked a number of times. He was sacked uh, let's see here. Oh, he actually was like three times, but he had only seven rushes for n- minus 17 yards. So his legs have not been a difference maker for Arizona State yet. Not great passing the ball. Uh, Xavier Valaday is a guy, though, the running back for the Sun Devils, someone to watch out for. Oklahoma State, though, just too powerful in the trenches. They ended up just taking over late in the game, uh, 14 fourth-quarter points for the Cowboys, which kind of buried the Sun Devils. Uh, again, the score not really as close as it seemed. Arizona State was down 3-17 to at halftime. On to the next game. This was a really entertaining game. Probably my favorite game to watch. In the night slate after I got back home from Colorado Springs, it was the Oregon State Beavers traveling to Fresno State to play the Bulldogs. Jake Hayner at quarterback for the Bulldogs, a very exciting guy to watch if you haven't watched the Fresno State game. Uh, in Hainer's career, I would definitely recommend checking them out this year. They're an exciting team with potent receivers, and Hainer just throws darts. He's so fun. Oregon State, though, in a wild game, comes out and wins it on the very last play to take the game 35-32. It was very back and forth, especially late. Fresno State's defense is awful, by the way. Uh, that's really what kept Oregon State in this game. Nothing too spectacular statistically from Oregon State. They did rush for 178 yards. Deshaun Fenwick, 19 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. They did have four rushing touchdowns. Jack Coletto, the big uh, linebacker listed, actually, 6'3", 239, comes in on the goal line. He has three carries for six yards, two touchdowns. Chance Nolan, the quarterback, played decently well. Um, They were able to generate some explosive plays through the air, which kept them in this game. And because of Fresno State's leaky defense, those plays were able to kind of break free for some big yardage catches of 42 23 and 15 uh, also 30 and 17 on the day this is a team though that is i i would say they're improved from last year of course the big upset or i don't even know if you want to call it an upset i guess over oregon state for the buffs last season and probably their best full game that they played last year maybe besides texas a&m if you take that into account too But uh, this is a team that was on that October slate, uh, Saturday, October 22nd. This is a better football team now. That's going to be another tough one for the Buffs. Moving on to our last game we're going to feature here on today's show. Mississippi State Bulldogs travel to Tucson to play the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, We took the Wildcats in our Pac-12 picks this week. The line for this game was around 11. I can't remember exactly what it closed at. It closed at 12 and a half, and Arizona was hanging around early on, uh, kind of threatening that spread number, but they couldn't. They just didn't have the horses in the trenches or firepower on the outside to really compete with Mississippi State. Uh, I say that, but Jacob Cowing. Uh, only 7 receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown but this is a player to watch out for in the Pac-12, one of the better receivers I've seen that is not playing for USC or Oregon so far this season he is someone that could really give the Buffs problems in their secondary when they face off uh, on October 1st this year, that's just a couple weeks away, so player to watch out there Jaden delore not a great game though kind of pressing late on to try and generate some offense for this team that was struggling as i mentioned 23 of 45 passing 220 yards uh through the air one touchdown and three interceptions it was a rough day but ultimately that sec power just kind of took over and as we've seen many many times when the sec gets to play against the pac-12 it's just not really close and that talent in the trenches and at the skill positions really just takes over that's going to do it for wrapping up the Pac-12 i mean we had other games of course uh i think everyone else was either colorado or they played an sec or a, sorry not sec fcs team uh you had georgia playing eastern washington or sorry not georgia oregon playing eastern washington that score was outrageous 70 to 14 bone nicks played well um Bo Nix, you got to show me that against someone that's not FCS. UCLA beats Alabama State forty-five to seven. UCLA kind of on cruise control and the entire way through that one. Washington, led by Michael Penix Jr. at quarterback, beats Portland State fifty-two to six. There is another game also. California and UNLV. Cal not or Cal is on the schedule for the Buffs in that October stretch. Um, a team that is definitely looking vulnerable though. They only put up 20 points on UNLV, 17 in the first half. They cannot pull away from UNLV. Uh, Final score was 20 to 14. So you look at this Cal team now as a team that is definitely in the conversation for uh, being able to be beaten by the Buffs. This line was 12 and a half Cal. The Golden Bears were favored and they only win by six to UNLV. So circle that one. That will be a huge game on the calendar for the Buffs this season. Before we get into the Carl Durrell press conference notes from today, I want to give a quick shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. They have a birthday coming up, 32 years young, and to celebrate Breck Brew is throwing a weekend-long hootenanny with live music, food, beer, and games October 8th and 9th at their Littleton location. You'll have acts performing like the Spin Doctors and local favorites Railroad Earth rocking out. Stay tuned to Everything DMBR for Hootenanny giveaways leading up to the 8th of October. Check out the link in the description or breckbrew.com for more details on tickets and artist lineup. Into the Carl Durrell presser today. Uh, he talked for about 20 minutes to us. It seemed rather optimistic, his point of view on things. He talked a lot, of course, about the Air Force game. And just the amount of mistakes made and inability to capitalize on opportunities presented to them by Air Force. We talked about that a bunch on Saturday night. Um, I think the vibe of this team is still fairly optimistic there. We've heard from multiple players and now Darrell a couple times himself say that this team just isn't translating practices to game day. They are very encouraged by what they see on the practice field, but it's not translating on the field when they play other teams. Make of that what you will. Um, On JT and the quarterbacks, Carl thought JT played. He said, okay, mentioned the drops and the obvious mistakes. Um, We don't have to go into the slide and everything else that happened, the interceptions and stuff. But the general vibe I got from today is that he is still sticking with JT Shrout as the quarterback. Um, He didn't really, after the game on Saturday, he did talk a little bit about bringing Brendan Lewis in. He just said that him and coach Mike Sanford weren't really there. They just wanted to see what JT had. Obviously, he hasn't played too much football over the past few years. So just seeing him play games and now build that body of work is going to be important moving forward. So it sounds like JT is going to be the starting quarterback, I would guess, at least through Arizona um, at the most. I mean, if he shows something, of course, the job is his. But if he continues to have shaky performances against Minnesota and UCLA, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see Brendan Lewis back in the fold at some point as we move towards this October slate. Something I talked about in an article I posted uh, just this morning. Carl mentioned after the game on Saturday that they were thinking about and having conversations about getting the freshman quarterbacks involved. Uh, Owen McCown and Drew Carter Mentioned by name by Carl Durrell After his post game We got a bit of clarification on that today Uh, He reinforced again They're still having conversations About playing those guys And seeing what they have to offer But he's sticking with JT and Brendan Lewis For the meantime Um, But he did not rule it out That these freshmen could play At some point in the season We'll just have to see how it all unfolds He talked about uh, out of conference scheduling too Colorado, one of the, I think it's something like 8 to 12 FBS teams that did not schedule an FCS team on their schedule. Um, when you're in Colorado's position, you know, I, I can see why that raises some eyebrows and scratching heads uh, through Buffs Nation. But, I mean, Carl Durrell seemed very adamant that he supports the way that Colorado's approaching their out-of-conference schedules. Uh, he didn't call anyone out specifically, but he did mention free wins and how teams schedule for that purpose. He thinks that Colorado is doing the right thing scheduling these teams. I mean, these are measuring sticks games. I know that Colorado is obviously not at the point that Air Force is. They're not going to be at the point TCU is, and they're going to struggle against Minnesota also. But to have these games I think is important because you really do challenge yourself against teams that are much better in different leagues, and you can really measure yourself against them. He then talked about Minnesota specifically and the challenges that they will present offensively for Colorado's defense. Um, the defense is going to be tested this game. This is a team. This is a veteran team. They've got weapons on the outside, and Chris Ottman Bell. They got two talented running backs also, and they've got a pretty good offensive line. So we'll see just how good this Buffs defense is this year in this game. Uh, he also talked about his safeties. Of course, a pretty big headline for the Buffs in the game Saturday was the targeting against Trevor Woods and then the injury to Isaiah Lewis. Uh, He talked about Trevor Woods and the targeting call a little bit. He did say that they submitted an appeal to the NCAA regarding that call. Um, This just seems sort of like a formality. I mean, it's something they can do and they can challenge. The chances of it changing, though, aren't very high, but he wanted to show his support for Woods and his football players by Submitting that appeal. Uh, we'll see what actually comes from it. I wouldn't expect to see Woods on the field for the first half, though. Of course, they will get him back in the second half. Uh, on Isaiah Lewis, he did say he had a laceration that needed stitches, but he will be good to go. Uh, that's encouraging news. It did seem I it, we didn't get much information about that injury through the game. Um, but we did see Isaiah Lewis obviously go off on the play and then very shortly after walk into the locker room to not return. So he just needs to get stitched up. It seems like if everything is healing at a good rate, he will be good to go this weekend. Also, they're definitely going to need need them both with the challenges that Minnesota will provide them, but of course Woods not playing until the second half. So we'll see how that goes. Some opportunities for some other guys to get playing time against a quality opponent here. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm headed out to the bar. I can't wait to watch the Broncos tonight. I think it's going to be a great game. I think we're going to see a lot of stuff that we've been waiting a long time to see for our Broncos. Uh, Hopefully that turns out. We will be back on Wednesday. I will clarify later. I'll send out a tweet or, and of course, I will mention in Discord what our plans are for Wednesday's show. Try to get uh, at least RK on. One thing I can tell you guys, I think Henry is traveling out to Minnesota for this game. He already scheduled this trip before he was moved up to Broncos. So we will have someone in Minnesota. um, So we will talk to him at some point this week and see what his thoughts are on the game. Um, So keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Keep an eye on the articles on the site going up. That's going to do it for me today, guys. Until Wednesday, Sco Buffs, Go Broncos! Ah, mm, The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on.